0: Vermonters, come down with your breeches of deer skin and jackets of brown, with your red woolen caps and your moccasins. Come to the gathering summons of trumpet and drum. Come down with your rifle, let gray wolf and fox. Howl on in the shadow of primitive rocks Let bear feed securely from pig pen and stall Here's two-legged game for your powder and ball And cheer, cheer, the green mountaineer And cheer, cheer, the green mountaineer On the south came the Hessians, our land to police and armed for the battle while canting of peace on our east came the british the red-coated band to hang up our leaders and eat up our land oh all to the rescue for satan shall work no gain for the legions of hampshire and york they claim our possession the pitiful knaves the tribute we pay shall be prisons and graves and cheer cheer the green mountaineer And cheer cheer the green mountaineer No allegiance, we bow to no throne. Our ruler is law and the law is our own. Our leaders themselves are our own fellow men who can handle the sword and the scythe and the pen. Hurrah for Vermont, for the land that we till must have sons to defend her from valley and hill. Our vow is recorded, our banner unfurled, in the name of Vermont we defy all the world. And cheer, cheer, the Green Mountaineer, and cheer, cheer, the Green Mountaineer, and cheer, cheer, the Green Mountaineer.
1: And welcome to Who We Stand. This is Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice, your regular host. It's November 5th. And that, of course, was, you could say it's one of the theme songs of our show, because it's about sovereignty. Uh, One of the songs in the American Revolution, those Green Mountain boys in Vermont who didn't wait around for a Continental Congress, they just started taking shots at the British and evicting Crown judges out of the courts and burning up the mortgage deeds. Direct action always wins. And this is especially relevant these days, because, as you recall, if you've been listening to these shows, the uh, West Coast Kamala Court of Justice is concluding its deliberations. Next Monday, uh, they will be releasing their verdict, the summary judgment, and the sentencing. Now, the interesting thing about this case is it's about the m- murder of three indigenous people, Harriet Nahani, um Johnny Bingo Dawson, and William Coombs. And th- what's interesting this time is some of the people actually responded, the accused. They pleaded not guilty, and it's interesting, before they would just ignore us, now they feel they need to respond, and I think that's indicative of what's going on these days. And um, so we're today, one of the things we're going to be doing with my co-host, uh, Owen Lucas, we're going to be looking into what sovereignty actually means, because you get justice by creating it yourself, not for waiting for somebody else. We're going to talk about how to birth our sovereign power, and um, please follow the work... MurderByDecree.com under ITCCS Updates. If you go to the S- September 25th posting, you'll see the case, the indictment against the 42 uh, individuals. And the verdict is going to be coming out next week about that. So please tune in to the next week's show and you'll hear all about that. The thing about this verdict is that um, the enforcement of the sentences is in the hands of the public. We will be authorizing the public with warrants to enforce the verdict to, to seize the assets and the property of the uh, the the people who have been lawfully convicted. And an example of how we did that is uh, the Vancouver City Council refused to respond to our demand that the Catholic, Anglican, and United Churches have their licensing and tax exemptions canceled because they're genocidal bodies. And when they didn't respond, people in Vancouver uh, said, okay, we're going to form our own Vancouver Common Law Assembly, pass a law, force that ourselves. So that's an example of what we mean by empowerment on the ground. That's the theme of today's show and um, we'll be back live next week with more news from the Commonwealth Court. This is Kevin Ann at Eagle Strong Voice. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Parliament dissolved the monarchy in, Jan- in March 1649. It made it a crime of treason to reestablish the monarchy. This has been, a, uh, uh, since 1649, that has been a, a banned, unlawful institution. So That's the thing to focus on, not, you know, the foibles. As a matter of fact, they want us to focus on the individuals as if it's about bad apples. That's always the theory behind genocide. Oh, it was just some bad priests. Oh, we just had the wrong pope in or the wrong monarch. And now it'll be different. Right. I mean, that's the game they play all the time. But we know the nature of this beast and you've got to slay the beast and not
2: just one of its tentacles. Right. Well, it's a it's a loyalty and a, and a hierarchy thing, right? So, you know, the the further you go up to the the summit, if you like, of of the infrastructure of the, of these hierarchies, whether you're talking Freemasonry, whether you're talking Satanism, whether you're talking about you know what, whatever the, the Knights of Malta or the uh, the Black Nobility of the Venetian cult, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It all it all arrives at that singularity point of, of the, the top of the monarchy, the crown, right? So we have these individuals who, you know, individually you can uh pick holes at just to say the least, you know, you can uh pull out evidence of of what the individuals have done. But they were brought up specifically to be these inverted role models. You know, the truth of the matter is that the the bigger the monster, the higher up the the hierarchy they go, right? And and they're trained to be those kind of monsters through these monarch, mind-control, childhood, trauma-based torture operations.
1: I don't ultimately think that matters that much. I mean, it's not even a question of them, because, of course, we're always focused on them as if they matter. The question is always, why do people allow it to happen? And why, you know, we can throw them off like a flea off a dog if we just ignore them, take back, you know, reclaim the land, reclaim our identity, tell us how monarchs of all sorts, including the economic oligarchs who are running the planet, we could do it tomorrow if people were conscious and united. That's the thing we need to focus on. Every ounce of what we do has to be focused on breaking people away from that. But, you know, it's, it's very hard in the Internet culture because any, you know, kind of sensational story can pose as fact. And so what if you know these things? Then what do you do? Does it arm people to change? Does it, does it give you the strength and the confidence to do it? Most things I see about this never do. They just, it's like a rat chasing his tail. Oh yeah, the latest scandal. Like who cares? I don't really care. We know the nature of these things. I know because they've destroyed my life, killed my friends, taken my children from me. I know you weren't awarded the death of this thing. And people have got to start taking responsibility. That's what I see lacking. Uh, We're not, people are not taking responsibility for ending this regime, right?
2: Well, this is the attempt. The, 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 you use the word "uniting the people," right? around. And that's that's what they're trying to do with the, with the latest soap opera, you know, narrative. This one is a funeral. It's it's the idea is to unite the people under the flag, you know, underneath the crown or whatever. And because they have, as you just said as well, because they have control of the media channels in the way that they do, then you know, even our conversation here on the internet is basically like. You know, Robin Hood having his meetings at the sheriff of Nottingham's castle. Right? You know, the, the whole thing is is completely controlled in terms of right. the communication channels. And go for it. That's
1: the most first basic issue is you, you don't form an alternative by doing it through the internet because it's you know, Galaxus, Smith, Klein, control, Zoom, and Google, and uh, YouTube. So the the point is that. When you get – the alternative is when people meet locally, and we do that all the time in our republic meetings, common law meetings. You get people together face-to-face, and you say, what law are we going to pass in our community that's going to change things? Like keep the tax money in the community, seize these church and crown buildings. They can all be seized now legally. The warrants are all there in MurderByDecree.com, right? Um, And and so – Getting people to take that step, it it takes the hard, consistent work on the ground, face-to-face in your own community. So, uh, you know, the many attempts on this, 95% of the attempts fail. Not because of infiltration, not because of mind control, because of the people themselves. It's like, you know, remember the Spartacus Slave Rebellion in 73 AD, I think it was, uh, in Rome. Most of the slaves of Italy revolted. They almost overthrew the Roman system okay but they didn't the slaves didn't do it primarily it was spartacus and there was a core leadership of gladiators i don't know if you saw the movie with kirk douglas but these gladiators broke free and they led they were the trained cadre that led everybody this he didn't go and speak to the slaves about hey we should revolt now let's have a plan for how we revolt they went ahead and started killing the uh, land the, the slave owners and they they led the slaves in a revolt they didn't talk. They acted. And that's something that people don't have the ability to. They've lost the ability to act. And that's the first thing we have to understand. We have to do, lead by example. That's why we occupy churches. We say, look, this is how you do it. Now let's do it. Action now is a measurable things, And that's the only language I understand these days. And that's why it's, it's hard to communicate with people because they're expecting, okay, what do I need to read next? Right? No, it's not about reading. It's not about information. You know what the problem is,
2: people, right? Yeah, and and so those those actions, you know, the, the question then, w- w- what are the actions? Well, you can get together in you know the, the town hall or the church hall or whatever it is, and and you can get together, but then it's it's another talking shop, right? So you know, no, in, ter- in terms no. of choosing the actions of what to do, is is a bit blurry, right? It's kind of foggy. Well, what are what are the actions that the people need to do?
0: Oh, yeah,
1: well, coming together itself is an action. When you meet face-to-face, sure, discussion on something real is the first step. But then you say, okay, Native people do this routinely, people affiliated with us, especially in Western Canada. They don't talk at all. They just go in and, and they, they go into the Catholic Church and they tell the priest to get out and they take over the building. They've done that a few times. They open up his daycare. They open up to the homeless, and there are a lot of them in the Native world. They say, come in and use the church now. What are they going to do? The mountains show up and they say, hey, this is our land. You never uh, signed a treaty with us. Bugger off. The mountains always do. Because they know it's politically incorrect to attack native people these days, right? You can use that as a lever, right? But so native people do that because they've got nothing to lose. We've talked about this before. The homeless natives who occupied the churches with me, they were almost all homeless. I mean, they didn't have anything to lose and they knew it. But uh, that's not the case with, with, you know, so-called white people. Uh, and people who are locked into the system, you know, to take an action like that is almost inconceivable for most of them. And you can only break the ice by, by getting people to the point to realize you have to because they're going to come to your door next, right? Um, despite the latest kind of, they're, they're pulling back. Apparently they're, they're saying that Biden the other day said, oh, the pandemic is over and they're opening up the border with Canada again. And, and uh, you know, so, but the point is, that's a pause in the whole war. It's going to get even worse. And people realize the only way to fight it, the way it is action. Defending yourselves eventually in arms. I mean, this it, it comes down to a civil war, which is what we're in, right?
2: So are you, are you expecting there to be that we're, we're in a pause period at the moment and that they're, they're, they're brewing uh, an assault, an attack? I
1: think... Definitely in a, in, a, in a place like Canada where it's the battleground. North America now is the battleground geopolitically between the China-Vatican alliance and uh, the West. And uh, because two reasons, all the resources and the need to knock out America. Because, uh, you know, Russia and China are, are the rising powers. China over Russia, of course, but America is declining. As a matter of fact, now, America is very much in the position Great Britain was after World War II, just going down the toilet right. economically. Uh, America had half of the world's gross domestic product in the 1970s. seventies. You've got 12% now. I mean, it's, it, as a matter of fact, the economy of Mexico and, and the Philippines has a higher GDP than America, if you can believe it. Right. I mean, so there's a big flip. The third world now is is becoming the dominant force in America's. So the, the best way to destroy America is to do exactly what they're doing. You fund the Democrats and Republicans to rip each other apart right. and you turn on the news and that's what's going on. Republicans are now saying, let's kill Democrats, every man, woman and child. The Democrats are saying, let's lock up all the Republicans. That's perfect from Beijing's point of view. Because they'll step in and pick up the pieces, and that's happening. The, the the you know we're seeing that the Chinese troops are already in in British Columbia, and they're expanding down the west coast of America as well. Joint military maneuvers, you know, I mean it it's it's happening as we speak. So I mean this, we're in a battleground over here. Maybe not in as immediately in some other places, but it's real. I mean it's it's how it's playing out, right?
2: And and they have that classic dividing. Divide and rule, right? They, they've they've got their media channels. They've you using the Democrats and the Republicans, or you know they can use the blacks versus the whites, or they can use you know oh, yeah. Christ, the Christians against the Protestants, or whatever it is. And, and this same yeah. cycle of self uh, destruction of the public uh, is instilled via the the media channels of the day, right? And there's a very interesting list I saw uh, about the the Federal Reserve currency, whichever nation is holding that. Federal Reserve currency uh, becomes the the leading powerhouse in terms of uh, the the empirical right. hub and and central point. So you know it moves right. They, they, you can plot with a historian called Webster Tarpley how this cancer has gone. You know from all, all the the millennia from Sumeria and Babylon all the way up to where we are with this one. You know USA changing over across the Pacific to to China, but it's. It's so global now, and there's so much um, passive rebellion. Maybe that's a, an interesting way to say. It. You know, just just over here locally, we've got homeschool circles. People are rejecting the the education system. We've got uh, food gardens. People are rejecting the the truckitarian supermarket culture. Uh, common law assemblies seem to be uh, very much on the rise where, wherever you look around the world these days. So. You know, is this transition going to work? Is you know, with with the injection, genocide, cull, whatever you want to call that, everybody's alive and, aw- and awake to what's going on with the details. I want to say everybody, a, a large percentage in in comparison to, uh, you know, what 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 they expected with it. I'm sure. Yeah, you've definitely seen that
1: shift happening. Um, here's the thing, though. I uh, find that when people take the example of the common law assemblies, when they form them, the, the spirit is very much what each person is thinking. What do I need to do to protect myself? Not what do we need to do as a group to create something different? That's never on the agenda. It's always about I need to protect myself. As soon as they're able to, they because that's all they were there for. Um, and, and so it's building on sand. You have to ask on what basis are you appealing to people? You've got to give them a vision beyond themselves, because if you don't, I mean, you know, it's like I had a perfect example of that in southern Ontario. There was a group called the uh, Community Support Alliance, and they were doing all the things you were saying. It was fantastic. They were building homeschooling. They got farmers together. They were doing food exchange networks. Great. And I went to one of their meetings, and I said, look, that's good in a, in a defensive sense, what you're doing. But you've got to have a a new framework, a whole umbrella of a sovereign republic to operate with, and otherwise you're de facto in their jurisdiction, and they have authority over you, right? And, and, you know, you could see the whole thing shift. People went, wait a minute, you mean we have to replace the system? Well, won't that put us in danger? And boom, they all fell away, every single one of them. And they were all supportive. They were on board until we mentioned that. And then – you mean I have to look outside my little box? No, I don't want to do that. I want to secure my own position. So if you're operating out of that self interested motive, it doesn't last. It's, it, like I say, it's, it's trying to hold water in your hands. It just slips away all the time. So that's been our challenge, to get people to evolve. And the only people are way, willing to evolve is when you have to. You, you know, Doing something for a, a good intention means you can leave it at any point. You can abandon that. Because you have options. But when you don't have options and your life depends on it, you have to fight back to the end. That's what Sensu says in The Art of War. Never back your enemy into a corner. Then they have to fight to the death. That's what they're doing with us. They're backing us into a corner, but then we're all trying to find an easy way out. And there is no easy way out. It's got to be collective. But it's got to be action-based. And we've got to look beyond our own little parochial situation.
2: Right. And, and so you see this... Uh... You know the the economic squeeze is on. You see it with the the fuel prices. You see it with the the supermarkets and the food, and people are, you know, feeling the pinch, feeling the squeeze in, as individuals. And because they're they're communicating with each other, they're seeing that you know it's it's a large number of people who are similarly in the same boat. But are they, are they still not gelling? Well, it's, it's, it's an insecurity thing. Look after number one, you know, look after yourself and, and not rock the boat. Don't, you know, again, it's, we've talked about this a few times before. You know, it's the the classroom in the school um, psychology mentality where, you know, you don't have the stature, the self-worth, the self-esteem to uh, contest what the, the teacher says, right? We, we're just... Too little.
1: Okay. Yeah, we, we don't believe in ourselves because we, we're being raised in a corporatized, atomized culture where you don't trust anyone. You just take care of yourself and keep all the slaves divided and fighting each other. I mean, you know, it, 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 they don't need to repress that much because we do it to ourselves. It's a self replicating slavery, right? But here's an example. I remember working in Vancouver, you see this the contrast. There's a thing called Main Street. And on the west side is the affluence on the east side are the poor people and the Indians and, and, and the, the workers and all, you know, the, the hoi polloi, right? So standing on Main Street, you go over to the downtown section and you look at everyone, and they're all walking around like this. And then don't look at each other, and they, they look afraid of each other, okay, kind of like middle class bourgeois culture. Then you cross over Main Street and you're in Aboriginal country, street Indians, and you see everyone walking around. Sharing everything. They just automatically share. A stranger comes by, hands them a smoke. They're interacting. They're looking at each other. It's kind of like uh, when you go to countries. Uh, I remember one of the first times I went to Greece, I was in a rural village, and everyone's just looking at each other. They'll look at you for 10 or 20 seconds. And it makes you kind of nervous because they're looking at you, right? And, and there's that that contact, that human contact. You see that among, in this case, indigenous and really poor people, they have to depend on each other because what else do they have? They don't even get welfare checks. They depend, they, their survival depends on each other. It's like when I was in uh, Mayan communities in Mexico, in like Guatemala, same deal. Their life depended on your neighbor. Therefore, you've got to take each other seriously and fight to the death for each other, right? When you've got options, when you've got alternatives and you're doing okay, you know, and even the poorest person in our culture is totally affluent in comparison to, to native people anywhere or you know, targeted people, right? Um, if you don't have those options, it comes down to us. So I think we're going to, things are going to have to get really a lot worse so that we're all suffering like that, and then we'll learn to fight. But in the meantime, nobody's fighting that I can see, really, in a, in a significant way, except, you know, kind of on the margins here and there, like the native folks I mentioned who just seize buildings and, you know, do the occupations. It's, we never had, we had uh, in our church occupations, there was, on average, 50 to 60 natives and two to three white people. I was usually the only white guy there. Whites were terrified of doing church occupations. They still are. <laughs> you know, it's funny.
2: It's, it's, uh, my, my situation is it's, makes it really stark what, what you're talking about here. You know, I, I've lived in uh, England and um, London particularly, and, you know, that's that's – much more wealthy than than Wales and and Southwest Island, and I, I completely agree with with what you're saying that that well, you're in a city in London, six, eight, ten million people, however many it is, and you know it's, it's a very lonely place because no nobody's interacting or very little communication, even if you're on a packed underground train. But then you know you go to Wales and and the the affluence drops, but the the community spirit increases. And then, yeah. you know, even more so over here in, in Ireland where I'm now, uh, I, I've noticed a stark increase in that uh, community spirit. And you, you look at how history has evolved and, you know, the, the cancer empire, if you like, has gone from London west to where we are now. And then it's hopped the Atlantic over to where you are and the most action you know we used that word a little earlier on is in with the the indigenous people who have that uh indigenous spirit you know perhaps is a way of describing it to get active and you know occupy churches or whatever whatever the actions are much more so than people in london and then you can regress that even further back through europe you know to rome or whatever it is yeah. but but again there's there's this uh springboard this um knee-jerk reaction to the economic situation to the food situation to the 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 health assault you know many more people are beginning to see through the bullshit of of the covid situation and and there is that that groundswell that in inverted commas something has to be done it's just that people don't really know what that something is
1: yeah, it's like my dad, that story. My dad was in the Korean War. And when he, the first time he was under fire over in Korea, his whole regiment got wiped out. He was one of the few survivors. Uh, the, these were young boys. He was an infantry replacement unit. And they came in. And if, I don't know how he survived, but they got totally overrun by the Chinese. And it was just a slaughter, he said. But when he was first under fire, the new recruits, they all ducked down because they think they can fight without risking anything they their first concern is to protect themselves and then your buddy next door gets his face blown off and then you realize and they're coming over you got to fight and suddenly you forget your own need to protect yourself and you're caught up in the battle and when you overcome that hurdle of having to protect yourself and doing everything to protect yourself and just attack then you become a, a warrior right and um or in this case a soldier right um so i mean we're, we're still in the point of being raw recruits trying to avoid the bullets, right? Yeah. And you need the veterans to say, come on, guys, go and lead by example. And that's why so many veterans always die first. And the officers and the veterans tend to get killed first because they're leading. They're, they have to lead by example. And hopefully others will learn under fire. But that's the point. We're not under fire. Not enough of us are under fire. And uh, that's where you learn all the lessons, not by talking, but by the experience of being under fire, right?
2: Well, it's a really interesting point because we are under fire. I just saw some stats this morning. Max Egan's latest uh, video was really interesting about you know you, you mentioned uh, wars in Southeast Asia in in twenty twenty one between the ages of twenty and forty five, sixty thousand people. Uh, died because of these injections, right? Which is right. the same number of uh, of Americans that died in the Vietnam War, right? But because of this uh, clandestine narrative that's that's covering what's actually going on, people, you know, have question marks. Oh, maybe, maybe it is, you know, an act of nature and, you know, Mother Nature's killing us, not Big Brother or whatever it is. But as these stats increasingly become mainstream and understood and and realized and you know everybody's got someone in their community or in their backyard that has had myocarditis or you know a stroke or whatever it is because of these injections the the penny drops and and the realization arrives that we are being strategic smart weapons are killing people and and the our own tax purse is, is paying for it via these people at the top who we have been led to believe our, you know, our representatives and, and care about our health or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's that sort of creaking cogs, waking people up to the inversion aspect. It's such, such a massive jump. We've been here before, yeah. you know, between thinking that, you know, King Charles III is a, a nice family guy because the BBC tell us so, as opposed well, to being, you know, the head kingpin of a massive genocidal global but- criminal organization.
1: That's not what I—that's not what I meant by being under fire. Um, okay, yes, we we're being medically killed. Yes, we we're being killed by toxins. But we have a home to go to. We have medical alternatives, naturopaths. You know, that's not being under fire. You're still holding on to stuff. I mean, being thrown in prison for months. Okay, uh, you've experienced it, right? weeks you've been targeted you know what it's like you know what the terror is like of realizing the whole weight of the state is coming down on you it's seeing friends getting killed it's being black balls that you can't even appear in public and give a talk without being assaulted right and i mean it's 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 moving it's moving that way and it's good more people need to go through that with you and i being through and other people and your friends killed and you know then you wake up to the real need to fight because people aren't fighting now. You know, like you say, they're talking and they're maneuvering to avoid getting hurt. It's it's a defensive response. So I mean, this is one of the phases. We're just in the early phase. So
2: we've got to lose a lot more before we can really take action, you know. And then the perception is that, you know, the individual is just one against the the weight of the state. And and if you're swinging, if you're swinging punches, you're likely to get punches swung back at you right and so the question then becomes maybe if i don't swing any punches then i won't get punches swung back at yeah, me and then people you but... anesthetize themselves with alcohol and stuff right right but i mean
1: i don't really care i mean I, like I'm, we can't hear i had a meeting uh you know one of our republic alliance meetings where we're meeting people in different countries every saturday on our calls um you know it, it's like i said to them You can't be diluted by the people around you. You've got to retain your salt, like they say in the Bible, right? Don't lose your saltiness. And we always do that. We always play down to other people to try to bring them in. But we're just lowering our own energy level to that defensive thing you're talking about, that fear-based response. What do I need to avoid getting hurt? To hell with it. Stop worrying about getting hurt. Start being concerned about who's getting hurt if you don't take action. I don't care about these people. You know, you face your average cop and everything. Are they a threat? I mean, didn't we all create the situation? There's no enemy out there. We are a collective problem here. And the only way we're going to get out of this is to face ourselves honestly and say, okay, I'm through. I'm done. We've got to create something different. And it's an imperative if we're going to survive. So, again, it's kind of waiting for that, enough people to suffer to reach that point. And, uh, again, I, I don't really see it right now, but it's, it's, it's something that's definitely in the works. It's got to happen.
2: Right, it's it's a process, you know, because, again, mentioned the media channels, because it's it's very difficult for people to communicate except in person, you know, hand-to-hand around the town or mouth-to-mouth around the town or whatever it is, one one person at a time, right? You know, have you heard about Dave down the road who dropped dead with myocarditis? Shit, there's another one, you know, another question mark. The The camel's back, you know, collects the there's str- the strands of straw and eventually, you know, an individual camel collapses on there. They're in the fight, right? They're, they're like you're well,
1: saying. Yeah. But here's the thing, like people fight. And when you look at when revolutions happen, it gets to the two things need to happen. The old system breaks down and can't operate anymore anymore. And enough people say we can't operate in this old system, but then they do a brief little shift and they're looking for a way to get back to everything they knew. Uh, People tend to make revolutions with their eyes on the past. How do I get back to that point of security instead of thinking, well, how do we create something new? And and that's very hard for the human psyche to even imagine something new because we're all people of routine. You know, we're biologically equipped that way. But here's something. I know we've only got about six minutes left here, but I want to just say that I saw a really interesting thing on um, uh, a documentary, I remember, years ago. And it uh, it was talking about these coronal ejections out of the Sun uh, sunbursts. Do you know that in 2012 in March we came within nine days of having the whole planet incinerated that there was a there was an, uh, maybe this was the 2012 prediction I don't know, but there was a sunburst that came nine days after we had crossed that point in the orbit where it shot okay. When that happens, even if it's a mild one, every electrical system on the planet is now gone. And everyone dies because not only is there no electricity to, to preserve food and operate anything, right? Planes all crash. The nuclear reactors all melt down. Over a 1,000 nuclear reactors spew constant radiation all over the planet. So all we need, and these sunbursts happen routinely every few centuries. There's a death sentence hanging over us. The next time there's a sunburst that hits planet Earth, we're all dead as is probably most of the life on the planet. So knowing that, the question is, we know that. Scientists, we're not stupid. We know these things. How come we're not shutting down reactors, creating alternatives outside the electricity-based system like solar power? Why aren't we doing that? Well, the reason we're not doing it is because there's a death wish. There's a suicidal impulse operating, and it's stronger the higher you go up in society. It's absolute at the higher levels. And it percolates down. We're all doing it. We're all in the psychosis where we're automatically doing things to destroy ourselves. And when you recognize that, to say, well, I'm part of a mass psychosis of death here. And are we going to survive it? Likely, we're not going to survive that. Just look at the scientific facts. You know, the next sunburst, we're all dead. But we seem to want that. So anyway, that's an interesting insight. <laughs> kind of the bigger picture here, right?
2: well well it's it's a it's a self sacrificial um attitude uh, headset that that comes yeah. i think you know perhaps through through the childhood thing where where the, the worth of the child is is very much dependent on what they do as opposed to you know their being themselves ha- how they are right and and so you know people get into this uh you know strive 9 to 5 9 to 6 9 to 8 p.m. or whatever it is you know burn themselves out smash themselves physically because they need to project there's an interesting word uh an, an idea of of worth through uh you know conventional channels and and means to impress parents that you know are even dead sometimes because that's what the, the values were instilled over over many multi-generations over a long period of time uh through you know hereditary lines right And 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 you know this is this is the whole clearing aspect that's coming and you know you can get into the the great year and the end of the age of uh, pisces which has a self-sacrificial uh, characteristic to it but we're, we're we're moving into this time now where things seem to be uh transitional up, up for grabs there seems to be a, a, a real awareness arrival of looking at things different you know, just just from a health perspective right you know people are thinking to themselves well maybe i'm not going to take those antidepressant tablets because it's just a pharmaceutical chemical and you know everybody's got question marks about the, the corporations now so maybe but, i should you know do something but they're not, a little different okay but again they're not breaking
1: from the psychosis of, of death i mean and, and you know i think of that that quote um uh, they have eyes but do not see ears but do not hear and it's deliberate. It's not like they're just ignorant. It's like we want to be that way. We want to we would rather be comfortable than alive. And so that means we're heading towards death. Now, I mean we all are as individuals anyway, right? It's a matter of facing that death and saying, how are we going to live before then? How are we going to die? And so I, I just think we need to step back a bit from all of the apparent issues and say, look, look at the as a collective, who are we as humanity, what are we creating, where are we heading? And the prospect is not good, but that's okay. Like, it's just probably our turn to pass on, right? But but we can't – there are no parameters. I think my main point is there are no parameters. There's no measures, measurements within the system whereby we can look at any of this because it's all based on a huge illusion of this, this, this cult of death, which we play out – look at history,
2: look at our genocidal history.
1: Right. It, it is a death cult. It is
2: death cult. And, and the parameters you talk about are very much yeah. connected with leadership. Right, And if the leadership are, are sacrificing the public as part of occult rituals, then, you know, that's something that needs, needs addressing. Right? Hey, we've got two minutes left on this call, Kev. Shall we stop it and start again for 10 minutes? Sure. Let's,
0: let's
2: talk about leadership. Uh, so let's let's just uh, go go straight back into it. So you you're you talking about the the parameters of society that people are caught in in terms of the the rat race and the wheel. I, I was uh, asking you a question regarding that in connection with leadership. So with with leadership. Mm-hmm. I I would posit it. We require uh, leadership at least for a a transitional period before people can develop away from codependence to independence and hopefully eventually interdependence, you know, the land of milk and honey, anarchy, whatever you want to call it, whereby we don't need an authoritarian overlording, uh, you know, teacher of the classroom, if you like, to to look after the people. But until that, that maturity, that self-actualization, that um, rising awareness becomes um, wholesale and widespread, I would suggest that the parameters of society need to have some kind of leadership uh, to uh, facilitate it. Taking people
1: on about their assumption that politicians are evil. He said, no, they're just us. We get who we, we, we elect who we are, right? Uh, if they're mediocre and self-serving criminal, well, who put them in power? People, uh, what culture raised them? You know, it's, it's like we have to take responsibility. Nothing's ever done to us. The leadership reflects who we are, right? And even the notion of leadership, it's when you look, it's interesting that I, the first thing I studied at university was anthropology because I was always fascinated in this question of how did it come about that humanity uh, created a state and kings and churches and, you know, religious religious, how did that even come about? Because it doesn't make any sense if you're just tilling the earth why would you think that somebody had to rule over you? Why would you have to hand your cross over to somebody else to go fight his army, right? Um, that came about because um, when you started living in communities, you suddenly had surpluses of food, okay? So you then had the ability for a few people to say, well, that's mine now, Right. And that private monopoly over what was a gift given by all, given to all, by you have to somehow convince people that's necessary. How do you do it? Religion. Hey, guess what, folks? These few people over here who are claiming all the food—they're actually descended from the gods. You know that thunder in the sky? They're his children. They were appointed, so they're closer to heaven than you are, which is what the pope still says. You know Pontifex Maximus—he's the link between heaven and earth. So so on top six sevenths beneath the surface and that's the laboring mass of humanity we serve these elites right because we think they're better than us and besides what's the alternative it's set up for a few to rule the many that's the leadership leadership is somebody telling you what they can do but there's a the internal leadership which says no more sovereign nobody can tell me what to do that's the indigenous way of looking at it. Nobody can tell another what to do. I mean, where do they gather that authority from? If you have, again, you with have, have us, don't you? That's not free. It's been coerced into. You know, you get arrested if you go against this that everyone's afraid of. So, when you see leadership, you got to be saying, well, what kind of leadership and who is it serving? Right. That's kind of my general take on it. Right?
2: Yeah, I, I would. I would completely agree that there's that. Um, you know corporatization of of the spiritual aspect of life where they have said you know put put your money in the collection dish we've got to keep the roof over the church and you know uh, in order for god to be pleased with you and you know for the the rains to come every season to grow the crops you got to pay sure there's, there's definitely that but i would also uh suggest that similarly there's the uh, the false flag idea where a bogeyman enemy is created so the people's uh, resonant energy is fear and so you know go back into history and the village is afraid because the viking raiding ship might be coming so in order to protect us from the 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 terrorism is to keep it a, a general phrase we've got to pay for the knights or pay for the weapons or pay for the uh, the the castles in order to protect ourselves. And that then requires an aspect of, of leadership uh, that needs to be separate from the tilling of the land and the, uh, the, the creation of the, the general sustenance, because of the, the fear factor that is instilled right, uh, deliberately. Well,
1: think about all those soldiers right now. This is the latest war, right? But I mean, think of the Russian soldiers and the Ukrainian soldiers. Why are they killing each other? Um, You know, I remember my my uh, good friend Ellen Murphy, she was arrested for a flyer at a U.S. Army recruitment office in in, uh, Bellingham, Washington. And all it said was, why kill strangers? Because strangers tell you to. And that's that's the basic issue. Why should I go kill a stranger? Right. Well, you're convinced that there's somehow a threat to you. Like you said, you create the external threat. And now, you know, they're condemning Russia and the Security Council for crimes against humanity, right? The, the perpetrators of crimes against humanity are accusing other genocidal killers of genocide. Okay. So the point is, how do you get the masses of people to do what's against their best interest and which doesn't come naturally? We don't naturally kill and hate each other. Quite the opposite. We're like Mar- Marcus Aurelius said in his meditations, he said, we are born for cooperation. Human beings are like teeth in a body I like hands we're built to cooperate together that's how we are naturally the cooperative principle is is the law of nature so how do we subvert that and get everyone to hate and fear each other well we've talked about a lot of those methods but it's also when you're cut off from the land when you're cut off for your natural relationship to mother earth when you when you see uh i was out uh the other day in the countryside and i was just stop by asking for directions. And this farming family, they were so open. They offered me a meal. It's like when you're close to the earth, you're not threatened by anybody. You're in that natural harmony, right? And you probably see that over in Ireland. People are like uh, that quite often in it,
2: Ireland, it, right? It, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I stopped for directions uh, a few days ago, and I was there for an hour having tea and cakes, you know. These people are just so friendly, you know. But, but what, what the awareness is, is coming around to, and, you know, it's yeah. you can get a bit frustrated by the, the speed with which it's happening, but it, it seems to be, you know, increasingly happening, is that the, whether it's COVID, whether it's Putin, whether it's Bin Laden or Saddam Hussein or whoever the bogeyman is, is instilled into the psyche and the perception by the media channels, and they are controlled by, you know, those People at the top of the pile and you're right i i I don't contest for a second what you're saying that that because of our own um you know lack of effort or or apathy or or whatever the reasons are we are you know meeting the reflection and the representation of of ourselves with our leadership but our leadership are self-destructive right to to Mm. humanity and that's uh, understanding that awareness that we're fueling our own downfall and destruction to you know help the we started this conversation we we'll yeah. perhaps finish the same conversation with the phrase parasites or, or vampires you know that that are sucking our blood from us and we're you know fueling them with which to do so and you know you, you say she's she's just an individual but it's but it's the latest whether it's Charles or, or Biden or whoever it is, it's, it's a carousel that needs addressing. You know, that's such a general way to say it, it needs halting, right, stopping.
1: Well, and you pull that out, you, you pull your energy out of it and think in a different way and act in a different way, and it starts. And that's the biggest threat. That's what the machine, and again, I don't, I, I love that example of how uh, we don't talk about individuals or even a system. You talk about the spirit behind it. Like when I did that exorcism in Rome, I addressed the spirit of Rome. I didn't talk about the Pope. I didn't talk about the Vatican. I talked about the entity behind it. You know, the, the, Now, you, there's different versions of what that is. Some think it's an external force that's kind of taken over humanity. Others, Jung talked about the collective unconscious. We create this higher entity just from our own thoughts and interactions. There's this higher thing that we all belong to, right? The group mind, the hegemonicon. Marcus Aurelius called it, that Lee, Lee mind, you've got to address the group mind. Right. Okay. So you address it, and that's in that exorcism, I address that group mind. I said, your time's over. Step forward. And sure enough, it, it, that conjuncture sparked something in the world that's led to a lot of this stuff, you know, not just the resignation of Ratzinger and that, all of this stuff coming out because we address the thing, the group mind. And that's what we all have to do. We have to, in our own meditations and actions, say, Speak to the group mind that we're part of. We're a cell in it. We say, "I'm out. Your time is over. I'm not a part of you anymore." Enough people do that, and it'll start crumbling even more dramatically, because we're all energetically connected. No man is an island, John Donne. Right? I mean, it, we have to take responsibility for withdrawing from that at every moment, and it gets easier the more you do it. But it's hard initially to do it because we're so wedded to it. It's it we belong to it. And it's
2: it's a possession, right? And that, that's the thing to realize, right? Truth is so uncomfortable, right? You know, com- comfortable lies or uncomfortable truths. And and the more fervent yeah. people can get for truth, you know, the, the more the more the, the hegemonicon or the or the, the demon of legion, that, that energetic that holds it all together collapses oh, and right. crumbles. But yeah. you know, tr- truth is inverted right we're presented with with lies deliberately to keep us asleep and anesthetized and and turning 180 degrees and and focusing on hard gnarly gritty complicated and gritty uh truths is is the big requirement of our generation
1: we all avoid it i mean you know the old saying that anyone can see through a lie unless they have need of the lie. And that's the point. We all have the need of the lies so we can keep on to our, our, our illusion of comfort and security, that we're never going to die, we're going to be fine, we're not going to suffer pain, not realizing that pain is the, the, the indication that you're alive. That's why, like a lot of uh, survivors of the death camps in Canada, the, the Christian death camps, remember Delmar Johnny, my and friend, said, when I was uh, a young guy, I kept slashing myself with razors. And I said, like, like, why? He said, well, I had to remind myself I was alive because the pain told me I was alive. I said, well, why did I have to be reminded? Well, to survive these monsters raping and torturing me and killing kids around me every day, I had to withdraw. Boom. I withdraw into my own little world, and I didn't know if I was alive anymore or not, right? It's like a classic dissociation of psychosis, right? So we need the pain, not self-inflicted, but the pain of reality to get us back into what's real because we're all anesthetized in a dissociated life because of all of this horrible trauma, right? Yeah,
2: certainly. Yeah. dissociation I, I, we're back to mind control right because that that's what's uh done with these divisions with these alter egos you know the, the roles we play whether you know we, we, we go to work and, and present ourselves as a, a good employee or we go back home and we present ourselves as a good husband or wife or father or whatever it is you know getting down to that yes. truthful essence of of what the the, the human is, the, the individual is themselves. And then, you know, as opposed to, or back to the hegemonic on the the, the demon of legion, right? The, the group think the herd mentality. It's, it's the, big, yeah. the,
1: the, the best moment, the most liberating moments I've found with individuals are when they're on their deathbeds. And um, Native people easily, I think in one of my books I described this, there were two incidents in West Coast General Hospital in Port Alberni. I was with a native family whose elder would dying, and then I was with a white family whose who, the mother was dying of liver cancer. And the natives were gathered around this guy. They were all wailing. Little kids, they even brought in the dogs. The whole family, the whole extended family were there surrounding him as he was dying. And they were crying and they were hugging him and they were showing all this emotion. It's like in an Irish wake, right? It goes home for three days and everyone's mourning and laughing and remembering the guy. It's like this incredible chance to just Say goodbye, but also to, to value the beauty and the sacredness of every moment of life, every breath, right? And, I, you know, I went from that, and then down the hall, this woman, Carol, was dying of liver cancer. She was only in her 30s, and they were all standing there, really rigid and frightened. And the, the brother is saying, don't worry, sis, you'll be up and around next week, right? And she's in her terminal phase. Remember, her skin was all yellow. She was going. So I finally had to say to them, it's time to say goodbye. Say your goodbyes. And they turned on me with such vehemence and angry says, you know, how dare you, how dare you say that to her? And I said, no, it's the truth. Look at her. Right. And they eventually broke down and they did. They went through the same thing the native people went through, but it took that. And, and in a way I see that's still my role. I'm saying to the whole culture, look, we're dying. It's our last days. Maybe something will come out of it. Maybe not. Who knows? But, but face it people. And after that, they never talked to me again. They quit my church they never, they saw me on the street. They wouldn't look at me because I was that ugly reminder of what they were in, you know, that dissociated denial of the death we were in. And, and to me, I always remember that because it's only when you can face that, that, that when you have that indigenous sense of the, 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 the beauty and the mystery of every moment of life and how death is part of that. It's that beautiful transition to who knows what. But, you know, it's, um, it, you see that in the deathbed. So we're in a deathbed moment. We're in a death very much. The exorcism didn't work. We're in the deathbed phase, right?
2: Yeah, you, you were the scapegoat, right? You you were the you, the messenger to be shot, right? Because you you were the the harbinger of truth that, that they didn't like. That's why they still hate me. You
1: brothers. That's, that's why the That's why smear campaign. I mean, the 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 hate campaign is exactly what we're talking
2: about, right? Pack, pack it all up. Pack, pack all the shit up, and put it on someone's uh, shoulders, and then you know, sacrifice them. Sacrifice. It's is, you know, you can get right back to uh, the the ancient tribal cultures, right? You know, bec- because of right. the harvest has failed, you you put it into a goat, and you and you create the right. scapegoat, right? You you sacrifice the goat, and and those those uh, those energies of emotion, powerful limbic system emotions, are. Uh, uh, to be honoured and respected, you know. You think about it from a, a scientific, energetic, um, electrical, electromagnetics perspective. You know, the, the oscillation is what creates the power, right? So, so if you're cutting yourself off from uh, a big movement of emotions, you know, we've even got a a, a phrase for it. To, Label people as as mentally ill these days, right? We call it bipolar, right? If if people are are moving their emotions from one place to another, we say that they're they're mentally ill with it, right? But in fact, that's that's uh, oscillation is is what creates the the power, right? It's, it's it's so healthy to well, and that's to have the capacity. That's
1: interesting. There, It's interesting. The system would call people bipolar, because then it, that's this massive projection. Because that's we live in it completely bipolar culture. I think that. When you see in America, they like to fly the American flag and the Confederate flag side by side, as if the Civil War is still going on. Well, it is still going on, because you've got those two thrusts in America, one towards liberty and the other towards slavery. And uh, the, the great book to read Democracy in America by de Tocqueville, he was a French aristocrat who came over and studied America in the 1830s. And he said, Americans have these this two impulses. And this is, can be said about everybody in the world. Um, one is they want to be self-governing. But by doing that, they, they're so concerned about themselves, they surrender th- uh, responsibility for public affairs to a few people. So America have within it both liberty and tyranny side right. by side all the time. Because to have the self-focused life, you need a few people running things. And that's the big contradiction in all yeah. the talk of freedom in that is that, okay, but what about responsibility? What about take? Like we talked about at the beginning, it's not about my rights. It's about responsibility for everybody taking care of each other as well. Right. That's where left and right can come together, because rights all of, it's like right wing is right brain. It's all, you know, impulse. Left wing is left brain. It's rational. You know, the, the cooperative impulse of the uh, of, of, of left wing politics with the individual right impulse of right wing. Why doesn't it just come together? Why don't we overcome that political bipolarism? and find that unity. So, I mean, all of this is personal, political, psychological, but it's all in the terminal phase, and this is, gives us a chance to look at it all, because it's ending, right? Yeah,
2: and, and, and you, can, you can get you know, electromagnetic scientific about it. When, when, when those poles of the magnet spin uh, in harmony faster and faster and faster, then it, it creates that, that uh, one up-and-down pulse yeah. because of the spin, right? which is, which is a very healthy uh, conclusion to it all the centrifugal you know the, the the black and white if you like creates that um singularity yeah. of of shade right? right right it's all science oh this is good <laughs> good stuff yeah Okay, dokie we hit the hour cap. let's uh call it call it a day shall okay. we okay uh chat to you yeah see you on the weekend yeah i look forward to tapping me on uh, saturday on the call and
1: hearing yeah. this on, on on your uh broadcast i'm going to yeah. play this on the air too so thank you Okay, okay.
2: Yep, nice one. See you see, see on the weekend. Okay. See you Saturday.